0: and Federated Insurance.
1: Welcome to the Women in Paint podcast. I'm your host, Michael Chaney. I am also the owner of No Drip Painting, where we are changing lives through paint. Today, I got my Columbus girls on with me. My my ladies from Sharon Williams, I've got Megan Batty and Kara Giamaria. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me. All right, let's let's just kick this off here. We all got to attend the Women in Paint event in Nashville. We of course had so much fun because we were in Nashville. Um, but you know what, Megan, I want you to kick this off for us because you've been in the industry for like fifteen years, uh, which is you know a substantial time. I think to to have a job and have a career. What changes have you seen just in the industry with the involvement of women? What has this kind of ride been for you in terms of of women being in the industry?
2: I mean, I think it's crazy. Like you said, 15 years. Um, Even when I came to Sherwin-Williams and started with Sherwin 15 years ago, like there was only maybe three or four women in our leadership roles running a store. We didn't have any female sales reps at all. Um, So, and that still didn't change. That didn't occur until probably 10 years ago. Um, where we started to have sales representatives in our industry out there, as well as like myself, um, took this role nine years ago. So prior to that, it was still a very male dominated industry, even in Sherwin-Williams paint stores. Um,
0: yeah.
2: And over the last, I would say we've seen the most change probably in the last like five years. I mean, Sherwin has initiatives and wants to promote and has seen the benefits of that. Um, when I ran a store I had a full female team. I had a female, I was there. I had a female assistant, a female full timer. Um, and the look on most painters faces when they walked in initially was kind of like, what is going, what are these girls doing? (laughs) They don't know anything about paint. Like, and quickly you would develop that rapport with those customers and they would even then start to back you. If someone said something in the store or questioned something, um, but it's been awesome. I know we went to the PCA, like you said, in Nashville and just to see the amount of women in the industry. I mean, there's nothing more empowering. I think Karen, I both said like when we left just to see that it's yeah, like, it's just been, it's crazy. But I think there's so many benefits and customers are starting to see that, you know, we, as women have traits that men don't, that Mm -hmm. a lot of our customer bases, and that was, the thing too is sure when when a female would come into the store to come buy paint for their house, like they were so relieved to see one of us at the counter there to be able to talk color. And I think it really, it adds value that, you know, a man in the industry doesn't, you know, they're kind of like, I don't know what to tell you. There's a grays over there. Grays are popular right now. So
1: <laughs> That's it's so normal- true.
2: It's been a wild ride, but it's been so empowering and awesome to see it over the last couple of years. But Yeah,
1: totally. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. You know, when I first started getting into the painting world, I was like so intimidated by Sherwin Williams. Right. Like I, this is why I went to Home Depot and used bare paint because I was scared to go in the Sherwin Williams. They've got all these paints, all these, you know, I just couldn't figure it out. But I will say every time I went in there, there was a man in there. And again, not that that that's not okay. But it perpetuated my fear because I already didn't know anything about paint. And now I've got to go, you know, talk to the guys about the paint. Kara, um, you've been in the industry, uh, or you've been with Sharon for eight years or so. Um, ha- do you feel like you've had to kind of prove yourself in this world? Like, do, do you have some, some experiences of, hey, maybe people aren't taking me serious, because I'm a female? Can, does, can you relate to that at all? Yeah, absolutely.
3: So, when I first started my career with Sherwin Williams, I was in one of the busier stores in the Columbus area. And then I was moved to the outskirts in Hilliard. Um, But when I was placed in my first assistant role, I was in a very rural part of Columbus. And I felt like that experience, you know, people are kind of stuck in their ways and have, you know, thoughts. And it was really hard to overcome some of those initial challenges with that customer base because they were so used to having men um, in that store and you know a lot of it was rural farmland so the women were tending to the house and doing tra- very traditional roles um and this was back in 2016 so not that long ago um yeah really shocking to like reflect on that um but once i proved myself and was able to build some relationships just like megan said they they lean on you and if you they hear another person come in and, you know, kind of give you some attitude or lip, you know, they'll put them in their place. And it was nice to have that support over my year and a half at that store.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and I think about even just the idea of like proving ourselves. I mean, I feel like I deal with this on, on a weekly basis, but I told you guys I wasn't going to throw any curveballs at you, but now I, I got a question. What mm-hmm. What suggestion would you give to someone to say, hey, we let's acknowledge that we do, we probably have to do prove ourselves a bit, right? How do we do that? What, Megan, what would you tell someone if you're either telling the younger version of you or someone just getting in this industry, how would you coach them to prove yourself so that you can gain the respect that you deserve?
2: Yeah, I think we talk about this a lot within our teams as well. And I think Kara can, when she took on the role to and came into Columbus, the biggest thing that I learned very early on was, if you don't know the answer to the question that they're asking Mm -hmm. you, be upfront and be like, hey, I don't know right now. But let me find out and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. So that way, I mean, you're admitting, hey, maybe I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to get back to you. So versus just throw in some line of like, well, I think this will work or this or that, like, that was the biggest way that I gained rapport with customers was just being honest. And if I didn't know the answer and there's still things after 15 years that you come across that you're like, I have no idea, but like I have the resources and the people to be able to figure it out and identify it. Um, but you just have to keep trying, you have to keep doing it and keep going after those things and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. There are still to this day situations that I come across that I'm like, man, like this customer is really awkward. They still question me, even though I've been with Sherwin for 15 years, I've been in the multifamily industry for nine, you know, those things still, they still happen every day. Um, But it's just pushing through that and proving your value and proving your knowledge. And that rapport will come with that over time. For
1: sure. For sure. Carrie, do you have anything to add to that?
3: Um, I would say also, you know, doing what you say you'll do is Mm -hmm. a big you know, term that Sherwin uses. So if you do tell a customer, hey, I don't know, and, you know, I'm not sure about this or I don't have the answer to that, you know, but I'll get back to you in the next day or so. Being timely with that follow-up and following through because it shows that one, you were listening, you took the time to find the answer to that question and you value your customer's time. So I would just piggybacking off everything that Megan said. Honesty, obviously, is very important, um, but doing what you say you'll do yeah, It was a, a tremendous way
1: in how I really started to build those relationships. Yeah, very good. Um, so what would you guys say was your biggest takeaway from Nashville, first ever women in paint event? Um, Kara, what was your biggest takeaway? I know you've given me some good sight. What can you share with us today? Yeah,
3: um, I thought the event was ran very well. I thought all of the speakers and all of the presenters did a fantastic job. Um, one of my favorite, you know, breakout sessions um, or what we talked about was the healthy boundary setting. Mm. Um, I thought that was very important. You know, we talk about as women, we have to prove ourselves by we either over explain and do a lot of things that men don't feel like they need to do. Um, so setting those healthy boundaries, being able to say no without explaining. Um, I'm still working on that. I know it's been since November, but we're still trying to find the way to do that. Um, and then ways that, you know, how, what you do outside of work affects you in your workspace. So really taking care of your mind, um, the physical, how you, you know, nurture your body, things you listen to, to, you know, succumb to those, um, limiting beliefs. Those were Mm -hmm. my biggest takeaways. I really, I really enjoyed
1: them. Yeah, for sure. Megan, what about you?
2: Yeah. Piggyback off of Kara. I loved the setting boundaries um, speaker that they talked about. I think that was, it's super important, especially, right. Cause we, I still like Kara, I'm working on it. I had a situation this weekend that I was like, I called one of my fellow Sherwin people. And I was like, I need to see a therapist or somebody needs to prescribe me something to stop volunteering for things and having mm. to like, always be there to help and always say yes. Like, and it was too overwhelming. Right. But um, the other thing that I thought was amazing uh, during that PCA throughout all of those speakers was everybody's willingness to share and to share tips and struggles and just being very open and not afraid. I think that that's one of the most empowering things to know that you're not alone. Like a lot of the struggles that you're going through or you're seeing, whether it's like Not understanding something financially, like how do you balance a book, like what systems are you using? Just the willingness of everybody there to share what they've been through and to be real and honest about it, I thought was amazing.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what I think that's pretty remarkable, and I think that that might be the difference between being in a room full of women versus men. Is that it was? I mean, you know, we 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 use the word vulnerability a lot um, over that event, and and. It's because there was there was a lot of that and it's like for some reason that uh, the energy, the environment kind of helps people maybe get rid of the ego piece and just say, hey, here's here's what it is. And that's certainly something I appreciated. Um, Megan, so you've been in the industry for all these years. Um, you're in the property management sector. Tell us, you know, my question to folks like you is always like, if a penny contractor, if someone like me wants to get into that industry, what can I do? If I I don't have a client, how do I find a client? How do I get um, some experience in the property management sector?
2: Sure. So the biggest, we are definitely seeing that more and more. Customers are trying to diversify what they do in order to, you know, kind of have a variety of options to keep them busy throughout the year. And we've seen a lot of that through the residential team coming over to do property management. Then um, what we tend to do is Kara can usually reach out, usually it's the rep that says, hey, I have a customer that's trying to get into the multifamily industry, can you set a meeting? Because how it works on our end is there are five of what we refer to as property sales reps that deal strictly with multifamily complexes across the city, we are geography based, um, and then we have one rep that just handles all of the painting contractors. And how that relationship works is when we have a customer say, Forest Brook wants to have their exterior done or they're looking to have their hallways repainted and they're looking for referrals, I will then call, reach out, his name is Chip, and say, hey, Chip, Forest Brook is looking to have their exterior redone or their hallways. Can you send me some points of contact or some referrals of who might be a good fit? this so a lot of it is just kind of sitting down um meeting reps will usually talk and then kind of coordinate all right who's the best point of contact for michael from nodrip to talk to and at that point it would be chip okay and then you discuss what are you looking to get into do you want to do exteriors do you want to do hallways do you want to do unit renovations um whatever that is and then we can kind of set you up with the right people
1: yeah so like from my perspective and i think that um you know, this is something I've really (laughs) tried to work on, but is developing your relationship with your rep. I sometimes think the paying contractor doesn't realize how important that relationship is. And it's okay to go to them and say, Hey, I really want to do this, or I'm looking for this, because that's where those other relationships, I think have to start. Mm -hmm. Um, And Kara, you're my rep. So, you know, I'm not really shy to ask for things, (laughs) Um, you, know, you, you I asked you to be on this and you said yes. Um, but the other thing Megan I'll say is, um, you know, I think getting into kind of the line of work that you're doing, it is kind of natural for residential folks like me to want to spread their wings and get into other industries or, or pieces of the industry. And it does kind of seem like a, a natural flow as opposed to, you know, I, I we have people who are like, okay, I, you know, I paint, I repaint houses and now I want to get into big commercial stuff and paint the outside of, you know, hundred thousand foot warehouses or whatever it is. I don't know. Um, and it's like, okay, that jump is too big. But if you get over here into Megan's world, that might be like a natural stepping stone to at least learning it. And there's a bit of a safety net under there because you're not taking on something that you're completely unfamiliar with. Do you have any insight on that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think even you and I talked a little bit about this when you had kind mm-hmm. of expressed interest in that, you know, sometimes we do have, um, my customers will say, hey, I've got in our budget, $450 to paint a one bedroom. And the, the thing that you have to reset your mind a little bit with from going from residential repaint to property management is that quality aspect, right? Yeah. So it's not as detail oriented. They're not looking for perfection. Um, a lot of times you're doing the same color, the same product over itself. You're doing 200 eggshell repose gray on top of 200 eggshell repose gray. Um, oh, yeah. and just knowing that it's more about qual quantity versus quality, but yeah. I think if you, and that's the importance of having those relationships and setting down and explaining the expectations of that, um. Is like you said. That's the benefit of having the relationship with Kara, and then Kara having a relationship with me or our other team members here in Columbus to kind of help help you understand our world, so that way you can be successful and you can spread your wings. I mean, no one's same thing with PCA. Like we're here to help um, and to facilitate. We want people to be successful, and we want to build that partnership with these companies. So yeah,
1: totally. All right, Kara, you're up. You went from so you're in residential when you're in Columbus, you went out to Arizona. Um, I think you're in the property management. Now you're back in a residential. What's the big difference between the two worlds? Oh, there's
3: there's a lot. Um, so kind of like Megan said, going from quality, you know, high-end residential homes to very production um, type budgets yeah. and everything like that that has been the biggest challenge um, also buildings can't run away from you so every time i would drive to a property i would at least talk to somebody because there was always someone there whether it was a leasing consultant the property manager the maintenance supervisor maybe a regional um, sometimes i go to shops and people aren't there or i'm trying to schedule appointments now with customers and they get busy and forget and things like that. Um, So that has been really difficult. I'd probably say the most difficult way to manage the day because (laughs) you can't just show up, you know, unannounced or things like that, like you could do in the property management world. Yeah. Um, And, you know, having that experience in res repaint before um, I was completely blind. Like when I got to my territory in Arizona, it was a challenge still just different because, you know, you can't sell the whole product catalog like you could in res repaint. You know, we're down to four paints. Um, everyone's using flatter eggshell and then semi-gloss on the trim and doors. Like it's very standard. Again, right. like I said you're dealing with the accessible beiges of the worlds and the repose grays and not really deviating from that. So it is very, um, same at, you know, each property, you just kind of have to figure out how each management company runs their business. Um,
2: yeah. but and the, I think, go ahead, Meg. In property management, we deal with a lot of turnover in our industry. Like there's yeah. property manager, a maintenance mm-hmm. director, these people turn over and move a lot. So sometimes it is harder to build those relationships with those customers versus the residential.
1: That's an interesting point. So on the note of building relationships, um, it's important in your world, it's important in my world. What, uh, how do you guys build out those relationships? Do you know, I mean, it's, it's like from the contractor's perspective. Um, sometimes we don't have all the training, right? We don't have the Sherwin mm-hmm. William who has trained us on maybe the sales world, how to build relationships. So Sometimes for us, it's trial and error, right? Like we try something, oh, that didn't work. Let me go try something else. What, what, and I always feel like Sherwin has great training and, um, you know, set you guys up for success. What tips can you give on building relationships that you could pass down to someone like me that we could kind of focus on if we want, say, for example, we've got a client that we're doing some work with um, and we're hoping to get more work with them. um, How do we get it? What do we do? Any thoughts on that? Megan, you want me to take this one? Yep. Sure. I'll go. I'll
3: run right, with I'm that one. Um, So, Michael, how do you build rapport with your staff? You know, think about it like that. You know, not everybody's motivated the same way. I think mm-hmm. every, all of our customers, they're motivated by different things. Um, they have certain likes and dislikes and things like that. And just being there and physically present, taking notes during every call, um, finding out what, you know, they do outside of work. Um, you know, we like to use sporting events as entertainment and dinners and things like that to help really grow the relationship. But also it's to learn about like who you are outside of your business too, because that's equally as important. Um, So my challenge is to really get to know your core people and then take that into your customer's world when you're going to visit with a new client, because not everybody's the same, um, but just be attentive and, um, really just try to be there as much as possible and be the face and, you know, be
1: yourself. That's awesome. Megan, anything to throw in there? I mean, she, she nailed it. I know she <laughs> nailed it.
2: That's great. I mean, that's, I mean, it's the same in my world. It's just building that rapport, making sure that you're allowing enough time when you do go to meet those customers that you don't ever seem rushed.
1: Yeah. Like Kara
2: said, I think taking notes shows that you care. Um, that you're interested in what they have to say and that you're gonna retain that. Um, we definitely have a wide variety of customers as you even know in your world and my world um, and just adapting to their communication styles and knowing you know, if we have customers who don't wanna see me on a regular basis and then you have customers that wanna see you all the time and yeah. understanding and respecting those, those boundaries that those customers have kind of set up and expressed I think also just helps to show that, A, you're listening and you care about and you respect their business. Mm-hmm.
1: Very good. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about the Sharon williams Women's Summit, which I know, Megan, is near and dear to your heart because you have been super instrumental in getting this thing up and running. And then, Kara, I know you're all about it as well. Um, so this this year will be the third year Sharon williams has hosted this in Columbus. And you were just telling me that where you've sent out over 200 invites, which is uh, a new record. Uh, Tell us what you're envisioning for the Women's Summit and then maybe even give us a little background as to how this got kicked off in Columbus. I know they don't do this throughout all of the country and you guys are kind of a front runner. So, uh, you know, maybe talk about how we got this started and what you're expecting to have happen this year.
2: Sure. So we initially did this back in January of 2020 was our first annual that we did. Um, and at that point in time, we just had, man, I think we had like 45, 50 max um, contractors there. And it was contractors and designers. Michael spoke then, um, and it was just kind of, we had recognized that, hey, we as a Sherwin-Williams have a women's resource group here in Columbus How do we expand on that? How do we grow that Um, and get the other females in our industry to recognize and to kind of see what we've seen in the value of coming together, sharing experiences, sharing struggles. So we kicked that off. It was great momentum. We had a ton of excitement. And then the world shut down for good old COVID good old COVID shut everything down. And to be honest, it kind of just like disappeared. Even our local women's resource group, it was hard to keep it up and going. We weren't allowed to do social things. We weren't allowed mm-hmm. to have big meetings. So once things kind of calmed down, we initially tried to do it in 2022, but with just still with the amount of restrictions and people were nervous and um, we reshifted and kind of said, all right, 2023, we're gonna kick it off. We're gonna do it in March for Women's History Month. And we were able to sit down and kind of asked our fellow teammates to, hey, do you have women in the industry? And reached out to Michael like, hey, do you have any connections here? Um, And last year we hosted, we had over, I wanna say 120 people show up to the event which was amazing. We filled up a room. It was super empowering. We had speakers from the PCA um, came and spoke. We had local teams here. We talked about color. We talked about Michael shared her stories. And the feedback that we got from that was that people, it was just empowering, just like at the PCA Women in Paint, getting a bunch of women, even to just see that is empowering. Yeah. Um, And to see that Sherwin-Williams is here to support it and we want to push to do Mm -hmm. it. And so when we were, we had asked for feedback after the last one, you know, what do you want to see? And a lot of people were just like, we just want to see more. We want to see more events. We want to see, you know, more. This was amazing. We don't really don't get to do these things, or we have events where we don't feel comfortable because they are the minority still in the room. Um, so this year we <laughs> reviewed our list. We had 205 female painting contractors, owners, that we are sending out invitations to later on this afternoon. And um, we are excited, intimidated, all at the same <laughs> time. You know, bring a friend, do whatever. If we have to have people standing in the back of the room, I mean, we're we're just thrilled to see it grow so rapidly. And a lot of that yeah. rapid growth was from just the communication within the field and people seeing it and seeing the value. Um, And we're going to mix it up a little bit this year. We thought, hey, you know, we're having all these people show this interest. And instead of having almost two keynote speakers, we're going to have a panel where let's open up the room, let's open up the discussions. You know, what are you seeing? What are you struggling with? What do you need help with? Um, To help to continue that empowerment and to grow. And, you know, the hope is if we can continue to grow by 50 invites every year, then that's exactly what we want to do. But it's just been... It's been awesome and it's been super empowering to just kind of see that here in Columbus to show that, hey, we are a women's resource group here and we wanna expand on that to our customers and help them grow as well.
1: Totally, I think it's so cool that you have that many invites, It's um, which are primarily female painting companies. Which yes. Uh, is, is shocking that there are that many even in Columbus, but I think it's so cool. Um, Kara, anything to add? I know that it's an event you're super excited about. I'm not really sure what level of participation you have or how involved you are in it, but um, it'll be your first time experiencing it in the Buckeye State.
3: Yes. So when I was in, I moved to Phoenix in October of 2019. So I missed the first one because I was starting my new career in Phoenix Um, Before I left Phoenix, actually, we were planning our first Women's Summit for October, so I was back in Columbus again, so I missed it, but I saw on LinkedIn the photos looked amazing and they had an incredible turnout, so I'm really happy that it's catching on to other districts. Um, Another thing I'll add about our summit is it's all about connection and collaboration. I feel like as women, we are more inclined to share what's working and what's not, whereas maybe men feel threatened to kind of give their tips and tricks out. So, especially with the PCA and how everybody was so open and honest, um, I'm hoping that we can have that same level of participation in the room for for March in Columbus.
1: Right on, right on. Uh, Well, our time is almost up. It always goes fast, Mm -hmm. I told you. This will be over before you know it. Um, One question I always ask everyone, Kara, I'm going to start with you. Um, What do you do for yourself so that you can show up every day, uh, be passionate about the Women's Summit and all the other things uh, and, you know, show up and and help folks like me try and figure out how to navigate this world? What do you do to take care of yourself so that you stay motivated and keep rocking?
3: Yeah, so last... When did I sign up? Last February, I actually enrolled myself in 200 hour yoga teacher training um, and I got my yoga yoga certification um, back in May of 2023. So I actually just started working at a recent or working recently at a yoga studio here in Columbus, um, all about mind body connection and really focusing on the breath and how it is so important. And it's amazing when you go into difficult conversations with your customers or a partner or a friend, how really controlling your breathing can help regulate all of those fear thoughts and you know maybe some uncomfortable emotions. Um, so that is probably the biggest thing that I do to take care of myself is yoga every week and then just physical exercise in general.
1: I'm a big weight. Right with on. You. Yeah. Awesome, Megan, you're up. Yeah, I know you got a busy life. You got a husband who's also in the pain industry. Um, you've got young kids. What do you do so that you can take care of Megan and show up and and crush it every day?
2: I think it's the same thing, and not to piggyback on like the fitness thing, but about a year ago, like I really sat down, and it's not a lot. It's thirty minutes a day where I sit to myself. And I have an exercise program that I can tell when I don't work out, like my stress level and my ability to handle anxiety is not as good. Um, also like with Kara said, like I, you listen to just more, I don't want to call them podcasts. they not necessarily, but like Kara said, just being more mindful truly. of, And we say it a lot. It's just paint at the end of the day. It's just paint. Um, I found if I get in, you know, pickle or feel kind of down, music is also a big thing that helps me, you know, crank on some old tunes, some whether it's old rap music, or just stuff from back in the college. And it just it's crazy how even music can change your mindset. But I think just like Kara said, just being mindful and not letting any one thing just stick with you and drag you down is, it's taken a long time to get there. But definitely, definitely helps. And people like Kara, who also remind me frequently, like on social media, when I see her, I'm like, you know, what? it's just, it's fine. Everything's okay. Just having those people to relate to and talk to. Like, I have my go to couple of people at Sherwin, if you just need to get something off your chest, so that way you can get it off and move on. I think it's important to have those people in your life too. 100%.
1: Yep, very good. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, just a reminder, we've got the PCA Expo in Orlando coming up at the end of February. Megan, are you going by chance? No, no. I okay, wish. Okay. Well, I got you down to Nashville. Who knows? Hey, you know, maybe you end up in Orlando with me, you never know. Uh, but listen, thank you for joining me and those watching. Thank you so much. If you need anything, reach out. Until then, we will see you next time. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Michael.